Y'all, thank y'all so much. We are back for the sunny side view and I have some special guests today. I have the great Larne Satchel. Is that how you say your last name? Satchel? Yes. Oh, yes. Like Satchel Paige, but two L's. Uh, so we have Larne here. Larne, tell us a little bit about yourself. Just a little bit about yourself. Tell us who you are. Some Don't give us your whole resume because we're going to talk about it through the show. Okay. But just give it to <laughs> Okay, short and cute. I am Larnay Satchel. I am an experienced grassroots organizer who specializes in civic engagement. I have been in the work, been an advocate um, since I was 16. So we are going on seven years now of you know being in the field, being hands-on um, and working with my community. My activism journey um, started again at 16 in summer of 2016 um, when the deaths of Orlando Castile and Alton Sterling happened um, right around the 4th of July and kind of just changed my perspective on the state of America um, and what it is like to be Black in America um, versus the ideals that America upholds. And so that was the start of my journey. And again, almost seven years later, I am here, um, still working, still active, still being an activist, um, just now with a degree and pursuing a law degree. Period, with a degree. And that degree is from Spelman, right? Yes, I am an alumna, class of 2022 from the Eaton HBCU, the home of Black Girl Magic, Spelman College. We love to see it. Y'all, my sister, um, Lisa Henderson, is also on here. Um, Lisa will be jumping in um, as we're talking through with Larne because we're just super excited uh, about what Larne, um, what Larne does. So I want to ask you, um, you mentioned that, you know, that summer, you know, that summer of change is kind of what everybody has that moment, I feel like. That's like the moment of change. I think my moment of change was maybe my junior or senior year in high school and i you know i grew up in an area my parents you know moved us to an area where i was the only african-american in most of my class well, all of my classes um and so i, ne I never had an african-american teacher you know I, I just remember you know maybe it was like that senior year well, I looked up and realized that, you know, the few other African-Americans that were in our class, um, we were sitting there and we were talking and it was during the time in Cincinnati, uh, there were some riots that were happening. So in um, the um, inner city, there was a curfew put in place. So all of our friends from church were coming out to our house in the suburbs. And I started asking like, yo, how come how come we don't have a curfew? Like what's going on? I, I didn't really understand like what was happening, but that was like my moment when I realized that um, how uh, policing is done um, in areas that are predominantly black and brown and how, you know, a kid that's my same age that plays softball like I did because they lived in a different zip code, they weren't allowed to come outside up to seven o'clock. And I started just thinking about the way that policing is done now this was really early on this was kind of like right after uh, Rodney King like you know it was it was a lot that happened in that space um but that was like my moment you know where you kind of woke up and you like wait I, like this actually affects me so how did you feel like in that moment where 
you know, you you had that that moment, that that civic engagement moment where you were like, wait a minute, I gotta do something. Yeah, it was definitely a summer of change um, and changing my passions. Before that, my passion um, was basketball. By the end of my high school career, I had uh, spent seven years in basketball um, time all around. And for that summer before my junior year, I was kind of falling out of love with the sport. Um, and who knew that I would be falling in love with activism and my community. Um, I remember it being 4th of July and a few days later, seeing that a black man was lynched all through my timeline on Instagram mm -hmm. um, and just reflecting on parallels um, of a white person living in America and the differences that we have as, our, as black people um, who live in America and how we can celebrate a nation that uh, stands on the ideals of independence, stands on the ideals of freedom, stands on the ideals of liberation, um, and at the same time has for generations, um, for centuries, yeah. chained up people, locked up Black people, not giving us what we are due, not giving us um, the proper liberation that we deserve as humans. Um, and as people who, you know, need reparations for all of the different things that our ancestors have gone through. Yeah. Um, so I spent that summer um, reading. I spent that summer watching different documentaries. Um, and out of that summer birthed uh, the Black Student Union at my high school. Um, I'm one of five founders of that Black Student Union. The Black Student Union also was birthed out of a conversation um, that we were having um, in one of our classes and just just talking about spaces not being available to us. And that's, you know, very interesting because my high school um, was predominantly black and brown. And so even in a predominantly black and brown space, we still felt like there was no safe space for us. We needed time to debrief. Um, our curriculum did not uh, reflect on how we felt. Our curriculum um, did not reflect on where we were on our current events um, within that time frame, and we needed a safe space. We needed a space for community. We needed a space um, to re reflect on the times. We needed a safe space to reflect on our school and all different things that were happening to us as Black and Brown kids at our school with a majority Black and Brown population, but majority white teachers. And when I entered into my AP classes, majority white kids in these AP classes, when we have thirty percent. Yeah white and 70% black children, but there are three of us in here. Yeah. Um, and so all those things led to who I am today. Um, I'm grateful for that experience and I'm grateful for being able to find my voice in that experience um, and being a founder at the BSU and they're still calling me and asking me to um, come to different things that they're having. So to see them again, almost seven years later, yeah, um, still be full effect is definitely a joy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're a legacy builder. Um, and I would love, Lisa, I would love to hear um your thoughts on this because as you were talking, Larnay, I was thinking about during you know during my time, um, coming up in high school. You know, I I graduated high school in 2001. I didn't see anything that looked like me except BT like that. 
Where's it? And you had and you had to pay extra to get BET. Like that wasn't included. MTV and VH1, they was included, right? That's how they other us. You know what I'm saying? That's how you know. And you know things that you know. I remember like getting interviewed for like the you know as a singer. I was like interviewed with like the newspaper or something like that. And basically, you know, like they literally wrote in there like, "Oh, she's such a strong black student." <laughs> I was like. Where where did where did that come from? You know where who who decided? Yeah, and so and I remember like I was chosen for like the leadership committee or something like that. And one of my teachers um, didn't didn't want me to go. We would have had to miss school for like half a day on Friday. Didn't didn't want to sign off for me to go uh, because that day she was going to be discussing like some type of black literature, and she wanted me to be in the class. And my mom went up there like, what? like that's not how this works. <laughs> this is not how it goes. Um, so, you know, when I think about kind of those moments that, those early moments where maybe we didn't necessarily know it would bring us to where we are now. Um, I'm definitely a completely, yeah, like I'm a definitely a completely different person, you know, now, but I can see even the people that I spent time with, even my friends who are white, like these are like, these are like abolitionists that I, <laughs> That, that I hung out with. Like, they're like people that are for the cause. Like, they're going to stand up for everybody, even to this day. So, you know, Lisa, how did you feel? Was it was it similar? Were you like, um, you know, was it the same way when you were coming up? Well, can you hear me? Uh-huh, yep. Okay. Well, when I was coming up, I grew up in West Texas, which is a small, small, little bitty town. And it was probably a handful of Blacks at the school. And it was like, when we had dances and everything like that, we were kind of like sectioned off. You know, it was still segregation, which was crazy. You know, we're in the 80s, you know, why are we still segregated? More like, they called us, oh, they call me. Ah. Go ahead, okay, I'll get it. go ahead. We'll, I'm we'll, sorry. That's okay, we'll come back and, to you. Okay. I love that though. And that's crazy because you said that's in the 80s. And we think again, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes people are like, you know, we think it's been so long since people have um, you know, experienced segregation. But like today, it's still going on, you know, even or even, you know, we can go into a particular school. I know a Christian school in Atlanta right now that don't got no black kids. <laughs> no black kids. And then we'll say, like, oh. You know, no, that's just because, no, it's because you're not, you, you, your school is not accessible. What we do instead of saying, you know, instead of saying this is a, a white school, now we'll price it out or we'll put it in a neighborhood that, you know, strategically or systemically, uh, we know that a particular group of people highly likely won't be able to afford, or if they do, or if they can't afford it, they don't want to move there because they don't want to be the only, you know, so we kind of strategically, you know, put these things into place um, and, 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 and we'll see it. So yeah, I, I, I definitely hear exactly what you're saying, Lisa, because you like, yo, the eighties, they were still, they were still segregated and it's still happening now. Um, Larne, let me ask you, as you talk about um, kind of your start and as you started to push into like your college years, uh, what was something different where did you feel like because you were, you know, like a young adult, suddenly it was like, I got access, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I gotta do. I will say, I told my daughter, I said, listen, 
I don't mind if you get arrested for protesting. I'll come pick you up. <laughs> so I do have protest bail money at all times. Just so it's not at like all times. Time. You hear me? Um, for college, even though I graduated from the illustrious Summit College, I did transfer. So I spent the first two years of my collegiate experience at a PWI, um, a medium-sized PWI in Connecticut. My experience there was something that I had never experienced before growing up. I did go to very diverse schooling, um, diverse in the students, not diverse in the staff. Um, so it was just a very interesting experience going from a diverse, mostly black and brown uh, student population to being one of 7% um, and having to deal with different microaggressions, having to deal with tokenism, um, especially as a, a Black student who is not afraid to use her voice, um, who then went on to become the chartering president for our NAACP chapter on campus, who then, you know, became the first vice president of the Connecticut State Conference for NAACP. So my presence and what I demanded on campus was something that I necessarily never had to do in other spaces um, as far as my student peer-to-peer -peer interactions. Yeah. Um, it was it, it was interesting. And I had a, a lot of conversations um, with my fellow Black peers on campus on whether or not we quote unquote preferred um, those microaggressions mm -hmm. versus some of the overtly mm -hmm. right overt racism um that one might experience in the south mm -hmm. for me i'd rather you be straight up <laughs> to my face yeah let I me know if you kkk just say that <laughs> let me know just, just let say me know. that don't be don't be right. a human resources person that don't hire me just just tell me tell me tell me you with the claim exactly. you know what i'm saying exactly. yeah i think and um I, I, go ahead i'm sorry go ahead i was gonna say i think that uh this quote unquote post-racial um, society that we've kind of transitioned into or that mentality is very dangerous. Mm. Very, very, very dangerous um, because we as, well, not some of us, I mean, not all of us, but some of us in this you know next generation have the mindset of it won't happen to us um, mm -hmm. in high school and at the college that I went to in Connecticut, I had a lot of different conversations with, with a lot of different black men who, you know, was under the impression that it won't happen to me. I'm not gonna be the next insert countless thousands of names here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a very dangerous mindset um, to be in because at that point, if that's your mindset, then you're not seeing the, our reality. And if you're not seeing our reality, we can't progress. Yeah, no, I, so, I love this because I uh, went to a PWI initially um, for uh, for school, and I was an athlete there. I was a scholarship uh, softball player, um, and there were some definite microaggressions. But I think you know, I remember being in my sociology class, and the professor who was tenured. Uh, that's going to be important later in this story. <laughs> the professor okay. who was tenured um saying oh you know uh yeah you know if this was 20 years ago Sonny and Curtis I'll never forget his name was Curtis the only other black dude in the class Sonny and Curtis wouldn't be able to be in class with us 
And I just looked around like, like, what is she talking about? Like, who, where did this come from? You know, what, what kind of lesson are we talking about here? So she went, goes on, she says it again, you know, says it again. And I'm like, none of y'all goes like, I'm looking at Curtis like, Brad, like, what's up? And so, and I was one of those the same that was like, who's she talking to? So, you know, I got, exactly. my, got my stuff, walked out. Like, I'm not dealing with this. I go straight to my advisor, tell my advisor. My advisor says, oh, you're talking about so-and-so. She's tenured. I mean, it's not, it's not a lot we can do. I can talk to her. And I just remember being like, as a student, I was four hours away from home. I was being paid to play for school, essentially. And I was like, I'm not safe here. You know what I'm saying? So I go back the next week. She says, that she says, well, I guess in front of everybody again, she says, well, I guess um, I found out I can't use Sonny and Curtis as examples anymore. So I won't be using them as, any, as examples anymore. Like real petty like, right? And so again, I'm like, Curtis, if you stay here for this, that's on you, but I'm rolling out. <laughs> right? So I, I go out, apparently it was after the drop day. They wouldn't let me drop the class. My mama drove four hours and ate those people up. I never went That's to the true. I never went to the class again, and I got an A. <laughs> I went there. <laughs> okay, A. Never went again, but it really had a it really had a effect on how I felt about education early on. And you could tell really that it was a trick of the enemy because now I'm like all into education. Um, but you know, I many people know my story. Like I took a I took a ten year break of school, and so. A lot of it had to do with that those early years, and I just wasn't protected in those academic um, spaces. And so, you know, mm -hmm. you're right when you when you are, uh, which is why I think it's imperative that you know even younger ages as we're as we're going into our professional areas. I'm like everybody need to be teaching some type of class at a community college. Some do please like whatever we do. If you just got to do one, if all of us just teach a community college class. We gonna be all right, you know what I'm saying? We gotta let these people see that, um, see us being represented in higher ed because they're doing whatever they want to do, and we're seeing it now with what crazy DeSantis is doing. We're seeing it; it's happening in Georgia. It's happening, you know, all over. I mean, this ain't the first place. Yeah, it was Arizona was doing this 20 years ago. That's how they got rid of their Aztec Studies program, like this. So it's not, you know, it ain't nothing new. It just keeps popping up. And so it had such a, a hold on me though. Uh, I ended up taking, I left, you know, school that year. I ended up getting married, doing all, doing all this other stuff, got divorced, finally, you know, got remarried, COVID happened. And I was like, oh shoot, I ain't got nothing to do but to go to school. So I went back and um, was able to finish, but you know, it just, we never know what kind of impact that we can have in that moment, which is why it's imperative for people like us to start to, pull and you know start to really respond so that we're making sure that we're you know we the answer to the problem i'm the answer to the problem i, I, I want you to bring the problem to us so as we kind of talk through that that long bit of story was really to talk about community organizing like i think there's a disconnect especially with those of us who experience uh, a lot of this racism, a, a lot of this misogyny, there's a disconnect with, we'll, we'll post something on Instagram, but we're not doing nothing. 
So how do we move to that next step? How do we move to that actual social action uh, where we're taking those steps and we're being aware? How do we become aware? How do we um, how do we actually take those next steps? And and hopefully we'll hear from Lisa too about some of those uh, legalities because you know Lisa uh, works within uh, the legal field. Um, she's she's finishing up law school, so she <laughs> she hanging out, but she already works uh, within the. Um, um, within the uh, law offices. And so she's always telling, you know, she's trying to tell us how to keep ourselves together and what we need to do if we stopped and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But how do we get to that next step? Like, all right, I see it's a problem. I done shared, I shared George Floyd, you know, I, I share uh, Amaya Arbery has a, you know, a 5K that's coming up. I shared that information. What do I need to do? What's the next step? I think one of the most important pieces um, of community organizing and definitely one of the greatest uh, first couple of steps is to know that whatever you do, whatever your mountain is, whatever is your gift, your strength can be used for community organizing. Community organizing a lot of times looks like protests, looks like someone on a, um, what do you call it? I'm not a bullhorn. Uh, like a walkie? Like the, uh, it is a bullhorn, ain't it? It is a bullhorn. Yeah. A protest oftentimes looks like someone who's on a bullhorn screaming down the street. And while protests, you know, have been effective ways of organizing, it is not the only way of mm -hmm. organizing. And oftentimes, um, the real organizing comes after the protest because what are we organizing for? What is the policy? What is the change that we want to see? Yes, we're making awareness when we're screaming up down the street, but what's what's the after? Um, and so knowing that whatever your gift is, whether it is art, whether it is fashion, whether it is um, entertainment, whether it's sports, all of these different areas, whether it's education, whether you are a doctor, whether you are a nurse, all of these different areas has space and grace for community organizing. And I don't want people to continue to be um, left out or feel left out because I'm not uh, gifted in public speaking or I you know, don't have the ability to stand up for long periods of time um, when we are marching in these different protests. So know your strengths and get involved with a community organization um, that help you build on that strength. My community, my political home is NAACP um, and has been for a very long time. Um, there are many other organizations out here. Um, NAN, there are, um, what is it called? Melanie Campbell's organization, um, the National Coalition for Black Civic Participation, um, Georgia Stand Up, New Georgia Projects, all these different national, state, and local organizations that are available and open um, for all of you to participate in and get connected. So again, they can help you build on your strength to then help progress the movement. I love that. No, I love um, what you said. I literally, every time... Every time I look at your name, like on social media, I always be like, oh, I got to sign up for the NAACP. I keep forgetting, but I'm going to do it tonight. Tonight, I am going Listen, to become a member. I'm going to become, I'm about, I'm going to become a lifetime member because I 
think um, for so long, like we would always hear about the NAACP, but I don't know that, again, it goes back to that disconnect. Like, you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. until I got to my current school, which is a PWI, but it is a PWI that is steeped in social justice. It's in our mission statements and our values. It's on our t-shirts. Like they like, don't forget, like this, this is what we really here for, right? And so um, it wasn't until I got to that where my professors started challenging all of us, like y'all are here learning about all of this protesting and community organizing and social justice, but it means nothing if you're not actively doing it in your community, you know? And so I, I, I was stunned, you know, by that challenge because I was like, well, you know, I, I might be able to do some, I could do a podcast and create some content, but that's not going to be a movement. Like I need to be a part of a movement and put my, throw my weight behind um, something that maybe it's already happening. I ain't got to re, you know, reinvent it, but how am I being active and how am I showing my children and our young people that this is a part of being an adult is being active in your community. Um, so I'm super glad that you're able to kind of bring up um, not only the NAACP, but some of these other organizations that you mentioned. Um, and I really, you know, I looked on the NAACP, I think it was only like, what was it like $50 for the year or something like it was less than $50 it was it wasn't a lot it wasn't a lot I'm thinking of my membership has been the youth membership uh, which starts at $10 so it's really not expensive I think the adult membership starts at 30 yeah but it wasn't a lot I know it was less than $50 it was it wasn't a lot at all but it just makes me think about so as we're talking about right now, right? Um, mm-hmm. We are, I think, I just saw uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms, um, Miss Miss Keisha, um, had posted um, something about the Lieutenant Governor and how they were trying to um, move uh, the governor, I'm sorry, the Georgia's Lieutenant Governor uh, went after college spending on diversity programs. Now, mm-hmm. As we talk about diversity programs, <laughs> that covers a lot of things. And I think people don't re- people don't realize this means uh gender programs as well. It so it does. So every woman, whether you white, black, <laughs> native, indigenous, whatever, this is talking about programs that assist us as well. Even if you're a white woman. Mm-hmm. It's like, you got to know that this is this. So this really encompasses um, over half of our state. You know what I mean? Because, you know, women alone are making up 63%. So it's over half of our state already. When we see this, what should we be doing? You know, when we see something like this, okay, I shared it on my social media. Now, what what should be my next step to, to do anything? What What can happen? So you have a lot of options, a lot of different options. Um, petitions are great, for sure. If you have a great base, if you are um, familiar with a lot of people, if you have a great following, always you can do petitions. You can call um, the gov- you can call the governor's office. You may not have voted for that man, but that man now works for you. Um, so he is bound to what you want, what we want as a people. Um, 
a lot of organizers, uh, when we are at the Capitol, say this is our house because it is definitely our house. We are the power holders. We are the stakeholders and they are accountable to us. Let's mm. never forget that. And so they are at your will, at your call, at your email. Um, you can definitely talk to some of your local um elected officials and then some of your state elected officials who may have um, different ears of different people uh, to get to where we want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can definitely read more about whatever the issue is that you see on social media. Don't let social media be your sole uh, provider for information, especially if it's something that could affect you down the line um, right. like this want uh, for cutting diversity spending or like student loans, our African-American history programs, all these different things that we are seeing popping up on our social media timelines. Um, do digger dive, a bigger dive. Oh yeah. No, that's important because for a moment, I used to, I don't, I used to let Facebook <laughs> be my news source <laughs> because I was on there all the time. You know what I'm saying? Um, it, it, it can happen to the best of us, especially you know, coming out of COVID, where we were, you know, on our phones twenty four seven. That was it. Scrolling down Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, or your social media of choice, and just reading all the different things. Some people have just gotten accustomed to getting their news from social media. Okay, so let, let me ask you this, just as we kind of start uh, start wrapping up. Um, let me ask you, it, who are some people that you follow or some websites that you follow or organizations that you follow that you would suggest to say, hey, these people are giving great, well-rounded information. This is a great space to start. If I want to start, I'm a brand new social justice. I realize, you know what? Arrested, arresting folks, you know, arrest the killers of Breonna Taylor. That, that was where I started. Now, what do I do? Well, who are some people I should surround myself with? And like you said, you're talking about reading. Where should I be reading? What should I be getting into? Let, let us know what to get into. Okay. Um, let's start broad. Let's start national. Let's start at my home. Definitely, you should be following the NAACP page. And not only the NAACP page, but the NAACP Youth and College page, mm. for sure. Um, the Youth and College college i might be a little biased but we do great work um and work that not only affects our generation but all the generations to come and generations older than us all the work that we do is interconnected so definitely NAACP if we want to bring it home to Georgia a great organization that has done a lot of great work um in different areas and multiple capacities for the state of Georgia is Georgia Stand Up um Georgia Stand Up is run by their great president and CEO, Miss Deborah Scott, um, a woman whom I love and admire. Um, her work speaks for itself. Uh, again, they cover different capacities um, within Georgia, whether you're talking about uh, civic engagement, whether you're talking about labor laws, um, whether you're talking about community resources and mutual aid, Georgia Stand Up um, kind of touches on it all and does um, excellence in each thing that it covers. Uh, If you want to talk about police brutality um, specifically, you should definitely be following Justice for Georgia. 
Um, Justice for Georgia is run by um, Brittany Burns. She just got married. I do not know what her uh, married last name is, but again, another great organizer who has done a lot of work um, for the police brutality that happens here in the state of Georgia. A lot of times we are talking about um, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor's, but we we got some issues here um, at home too. So it's definitely um, in our best interest to to keep our eye out at home um, and follow organizations again like Justice for Georgia who do that great work. If you are uh, in the education field mm-hmm. and you want someone to follow in the education field, um, Alfred, aka Shivy Brooks, is another great organizer um, who has an organization called um, Teachers for Good Trouble. Um, they are amazing. He is amazing. Um, great organizer, great activist, great teacher who is currently teaching in high school, um, teaching our black students, um, how economics and culture go hand to hand, um, and how they can progress and, you know, build generational wealth and also be good for our community. Um, let's see, you can also follow your, uh, local parent, parent, uh, Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Planned Parenthood um, for any and all uh, women's or health um, reproductive rights. Mm-hmm. They are doing great work. Um, yeah, that's that kind of pretty much covers the the hot topics. Okay, um, those were good. You, I mean, you gave us a whole list. I'm gonna run through, run and listen <laughs> back through, and be following everybody. <laughs> Tell the people to run you a check because you just gave them a commercial, okay? Come on. (laughs) Come on, but no, they are all organizations that do great work um, nationally and for the state of Georgia. So I can always, you know, give a little free promo. That's right. I love that. So tell me what is next for you? What's next for you? What can, you know, we know you, you know, you had your aha moment. You you have start you I mean you started Black Student Union you you started the NAACP youth chapter at one school you're the president at another one again and yeah, yeah, you graduated yeah. from V Spelman <laughs> like what's next what's next for you what is next next is law school come um, on <laughs> yeah while well, the the LSAT you know is is trying to take me out that's all right. And I also- that any um, standard testizing is rooted in institutional racism. Um, but that's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother day. It's not hey, you, you, you oh. can come back. You can come back and talk about it. Because <laughs> then I'll tell I'll um, tell you how I pulled my I pulled my kids from school and started homeschooling them over a standardized test. So I'm right with you. <laughs> Listen, that's Sunday. We here. We are and they here. graduated. We're and my oldest one graduated okay. early. Period. Early. early. Okay. <laughs> She's at the Morris Brown College right the now. The Morris Brown College. Okay. Yeah, my, my oldest son okay. right behind her. So it's nothing. You know what I'm saying? Stop playing. Stop letting these standardized tests tell your kids what they are. Stop doing that. Challenge these tests. <laughs> Challenge them. <laughs> I digress. Ooh, that's, okay. That's smart. <laughs> is next i plan on using my jd using my juris doctorate um in collaboration with my passion for activism 
um, to be a civil rights attorney and to work for, you know, amazing organizations such as NAACP, LDF, um, or, you know, possibly starting my own practice um, and continuing to consult um, for different uh, nonprofit organizations as they are doing community work. I love that. Well, we're going to support you. I'm going to hook you up. I told you I got a lawyer that I got to hook you up with. Um, uh, maybe he can give you some tips and some fun things as well. Um, but I'm so excited about what you're doing. I definitely uh, want to continue to have you kind of stop by and just tell us about what we need to be doing. I think, again, I'm just trying to uh, really within the community, I'm just trying to connect the dots so that people don't feel like activism has to be so far away. And like you said, you know, you may not be the person at the front, but that don't mean that I'm I'm not the one that's, you know, uh, printing out the paper. Yeah, creating the flyers, you know, texting the people, sending out the emails, whatever. Um, I think that's probably one of the greatest things that uh, one of my grad school classes taught me. Uh, It was an intro to leadership class. And she talked. She talked about how in any movement, um, you're gonna have the front-facing person. That's the person that's kind of that uh, people know uh, when they think about, you know, the NAACP or something like that. They think of this person. Uh, but then you got the actual leader, and she said the leader is the one that actually is putting everything together. And that's highly likely not the person that's on the flyer in front of everybody. So it was just such a movement. So I'm excited for that everybody gets to find where they fit in uh, within a movement. But I challenge everybody to be part of the movement. And in order to be part of the movement, you got to move. So I'm hoping that everybody is um, being part of the movement uh, in this next season uh, of their lives. Lane, thank you so very much. Tell the people how they can follow you or get in touch with you if they want to connect with you. So if they want to connect with me, you can follow me on Instagram at I am Larne. Larne is spelled L-A-R-N-E-E. Or you can email me at Larne Satchel, again, L-A-R-N-E-E, Satchel, S-A-T-C-H-E-L-L at gmail.com. Thank you so much. And always, 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 y'all know, thank you for tuning in uh, to the Sunny Side View. I hope you learned something and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to my mom's podcast.